0: The chaff shall make up another. The one company will be all godly, the other company will be all ungodly. Each shall be by themselves and a great gulf between that none can pass. Blessed indeed shall the righteous be in that day. They shall shine like stars no longer obscured with clouds. They shall be beautiful as the lily no longer choked with thorns. Canticles 2, verse 2. Wretched indeed will the ungodly be. How corrupt will corruption be when left without one grain of salt to season it? How dark will darkness be when left without one spark of light? Ah, it is not enough to respect and admire the Lord's people. You must belong to them, or you will one day be parted from them forever. There will be no chaff in heaven. Many, many are the families where one will be taken and another left. Luke 17.34 Who is there now among the readers of this paper that loves the Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity? If I know anything of the heart of a Christian, your greatest trials are in the company of worldly people. Your greatest joys in the company of the saints. Yes, there are many weary days when your spirit feels broken and crushed by the earthly tone of all around you. Days when you could cry with David, Woe is me that I dwell in Meshach and have my habitation in the tents of Kedar. Psalm 120 verse 5 And yet there are hours when your soul is so refreshed and revived by meeting some of God's dear children, that it seems like heaven on earth. Do I not speak to your heart? Are not these things true? See then how you should long for the time when Christ shall come again. See how you should pray daily that the Lord would hasten His kingdom and say to Him, Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Revelation 22 Verse 20. Then, and not till then, shall be a pure unmixed communion. Then, and not till then, the saints shall all be together, and shall go out from one another's presence no more. Wait a little, wait a little. Scorn and contempt will soon be over. Laughter and ridicule shall soon have an end. Slander and misrepresentation will soon cease. Your Saviour shall come and plead your cause. And then, as Moses said to Korah, The Lord will show who are His. Numbers 16.5 In the footnote, Thomas Watson, 16.60 said, This is certain. When the elect are all converted, then Christ will come to judgment. As he that rose above stays till all the passengers are taken into his boat, and then he rows away, so Christ stays till all the elect are gathered in, and then he will hasten away to judgment. Unquote. Who is there among the readers of this paper that knows his heart is not right in the sight of God? See how you should fear and tremble at the thought of Christ appearing? Alas, indeed, for the man that lives and dies with nothing better than a cloak of religion, in the day when Christ shall purge his floor, you will be shown up and exposed in your true colors. You may deceive ministers and friends and neighbors, but you cannot deceive Christ. The paint and varnish of a heartless Christianity will never stand the fire of that day. The Lord is a God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. You will find that the eye which saw Achan and Gehazi has read your secrets and searched out your hidden things. You will hear that awful word, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? Matthew 22:12. Oh tremble at the thought of the day of sifting and separation, Surely hypocrisy is a most losing game. Surely it never answers to act a part. Surely it never answers like Ananias and Sapphira to pretend to give God something and yet to keep back your heart. It all fails at last. Your joy is but for a moment. Your hopes are no better than a dream. Oh, tremble, tremble, tremble and repent. 3. Let me show, in the third place, the portion which Christ's people shall receive when he comes to purge his floor. The text at the beginning of this paper tells us that in good and comfortable words. It tells us that Christ shall gather his wheat into the garner. When the Lord Jesus comes the second time, he shall collect his believing people into a place of safety. He will send his angels and gather them from every quarter. The sea shall give up the dead that are in it, and the graves, the dead that are in them, and the living, shall be changed. Not one poor sinner of mankind who has ever laid hold on Christ by faith shall be wanting in that company. Not one single grain of wheat shall be missing and left outside when judgments fall upon a wicked world. There shall be a garner for the wheat of the earth, and into that garner all the wheat shall be brought. It is a sweet and comfortable thought that the Lord taketh pleasure in his people and careth for the righteous. Psalm 149, verse 4, First Peter 5, 7. But how much The Lord cares for them, I fear, is little known and dimly seen. Believers have their trials beyond question, and these both many and great. The flesh is weak, the world is full of snares, the cross is heavy, the way is narrow, the companions are few, but still they have strong consolations if their eyes were but open to see them, like Hagar. They have a well of water near them, even in the wilderness, though they often do not find it out. Like Mary, they have Jesus standing by their side, though often they are not aware of it for very tears. Genesis 21:19, John 20, verse 14. Bear with me while I try to tell you something about Christ's care for poor sinners that believe in Him. Alas, indeed that it should be needful. But we live in a day of weak and feeble statements. The danger of this state of nature is feebly exposed. The privileges of this state of grace are feebly set forth. Hesitating souls are not encouraged. Disciples are not established and confirmed. The man out of Christ is not rightly alarmed. The man in Christ is not rightly built up. The one sleeps on and seldom has his conscience tricked. The other creeps and crawls all his days and never thoroughly understands the riches of his inheritance. Truly, this is a sore disease and one that I would gladly help to cure. Truly, it is a melancholy thing that the people of God should never go up to Mount Ziska and never know the length and breadth of their possessions, to be brethren of Christ and sons of God by adoption, to have full and perfect forgiveness and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, to have a place in the book of life and a name on the breastplate of the great high priest in heaven, all these are glorious things indeed, but still they are not the whole of a believer's portion. They are upper springs indeed, but still there are nether springs beside. A. The Lord takes pleasure in His believing people. Though black in their own eyes, they are comely and honorable in His. They are all fair. He sees no spot in them. Canticles 4.7 Their weaknesses and shortcomings do not break off the union between Him and them. He chose them, knowing all their hearts. He took them for His own with a perfect understanding of all their debts, liabilities, and infirmities. And He will never break His covenant and cast them off. When they fall, He will raise them again. When they wander, He will bring them back. Their prayers are pleasant to Him. As a father loves the first stammering efforts of his child to speak, So the Lord loves the poor feeble petitions of His people. He endorses them with His own mighty intercession and gives them power on high. Their services are present to Him. As a father delights in the first daisy that his child picks up and brings him, even so the Lord is pleased with the weak attempts of His people to serve Him. Not a cup of cold water shall lose its reward. Not a word spoken in love shall ever be forgotten. The Holy Ghost inspired St. Paul to tell the Hebrews of Noah's faith, but not of his drunkenness, of Rahab's faith, but not of her lie. It is a blessed thing to be God's sweet. Be the Lord cares for His believing people in their lives. Their dwelling place is well known. The street called Straight, where Judas dwelt, and Paul lodged. The house by the seaside, where Peter prayed, were all familiar to their Lord. None have such attendance as they have. Angels rejoice when they are born again. Angels minister to them, and angels encamp around them. None have such food. Their bread is given them, and their water is sure and They have meat to eat of which the world knows nothing. None have such company as they have. The Spirit dwelleth with them. The Father and the Son come to them and make their abode with them. John 14.23 Their steps are all ordered from grace to glory. They that persecute them persecute Christ himself. And they that hurt them hurt the apple of the Lord's eye. Their trials and temptations are all measured out by a wise physician. Not a grain of bitterness is ever mingled in their cup that is not good for the health of their souls. Their temptations, like Job's, are all under God's control. Satan cannot touch a hair of their head without their Lord's permission, nor even tempt them above that which they shall be able to bear. As a father pitieth his own children, so does the Lord pity them that fear him. He never afflicts them willingly. Psalm 103.13 Lamentations 3.33 He leads them by the right way. He withholds nothing that is really for their good. Come what will, there is always a needs be. When they are placed in the furnace, it is that they may be purified. When they are chastened, it is that they may become more holy. When they are pruned, it is to make them more fruitful. When they are transplanted from place to place, it is that they may bloom more brightly. All things are continually working together for their good. Like the bee, they extract sweetness even out of the bitterest flowers. See, the Lord cares for His believing people in their death. Their times are all in the Lord's hand. The hairs of their heads are all numbered, and not one can ever fall to the ground without their Father. They are kept on earth till they are ripe and ready for glory, and not one moment longer. When they have had sun and rain enough, wind and storm enough, Cold and heat enough, when the ear is perfected, then and not then, the sickle is put in. They are all immortal till their work is done. There is not a disease that can loosen the pins of their tabernacle until the Lord gives the word. A thousand may fall at their right hand, but there is not a plague that can touch them till the Lord sees good. There is not a physician that can keep them alive when the Lord gives the word. When they come to their deathbed, the everlasting arms are round about them and make all their bed in their sickness. When they die, they die like Moses according to the word of the Lord at the right time and in the right way. Deuteronomy 34 verse 5. And when they breathe their last, they fall asleep in Christ and are at once carried, like Lazarus, into Abraham's bosom. Yes, it is a blessed thing to be Christ's sweet. When the sun of other men is setting, the sun of the believer is rising. When other men are laying aside their honors, he is putting his on. Death locks the door on the unbeliever and shuts him out from hope, but death opens the door to the believer and lets him into paradise. D. And the Lord will care for his believing people in the dreadful day of his appearing. The flaming fire shall not come nigh them, the voice of the archangel and the trump of God shall proclaim no terrors to their ears sleeping or waking, quick or dead, moldering in the coffin or standing at the post of daily duty. Believers shall be secure and unmoved. They shall lift up their heads with joy when they see redemption drawing nigh. They shall be changed and put on their beautiful garments in the twinkling of an eye. They shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air first Thessalonians four seventeen. Jesus will do nothing to a sin laden world till all his people are safe. There was an ark for Noah when the flood began. There was a Zor for Lot when the fire fell on Sodom. There was a palace for early Christians when Jerusalem was besieged. There was a Zurich for English reformers when Popish Mary came to the throne. And there will be a garner for all the wheat of the earth in the last day. Yes, it is a blessed thing to be Christ's wheat. I often wonder at the miserable faithlessness of those among us who are believers. Next to the hardness of the unconverted heart, I call it one of the greatest wonders in the world. I wonder that with such mighty reasons, for confidence, we can still be so full of doubts. Above all things, how any can deny the doctrine that Christ's people persevere unto the end and can fancy that He who loved them so as to die for them upon the cross will ever let them be cast away. I cannot think so. I do not believe the Lord Jesus will ever lose one of His flocks. He will not let Satan pluck away from him so much as one sick lamb. He will not allow one bone of his mystical body to be broken. He will not suffer one jewel to fall from his crown. He and his bride have been once joined in an everlasting covenant and they shall never, never be put asunder. The trophies won by earthly conquerors have often been wrested from them and carried off. But this shall never be said of the trophies of Him who triumphed for us on the cross. My sheep, He says, shall never perish. John 10.28 I take my stand on that text. I know not how it can be evaded. If words have any meaning, the perseverance of Christ's people is there. I do not believe when David had rescued the lamb from the paws of the lion that he left it weak and wounded to perish in the wilderness. I cannot believe when the Lord Jesus has delivered a soul from the snare of the devil that he will ever leave that soul to take his chance and wrestle on in his own feebleness against sin, the devil, and the world. I dare be sure if you were present at a shipwreck And seeing some helpless child tossing on the waves were to plunge into the sea and save him at the risk of your own life. I dare be sure you would not be content with merely bringing that child safe to shore. You would not lay him down when you had reached the land and say, I will do no more. He is weak. He is insensible. He is cold. It matters not. I have done enough. I have delivered him from the waters. He is not drowned. You would not do it. You would not say so. You would not treat that child in such a manner. You would lift him in your arms. You would carry him to the nearest house. You would try to bring back warmth and animation. You would use every means to restore health and vigor. You would never leave him till his recovery was a certain thing. And can you suppose the Lord Jesus Christ is less merciful and less compassionate? Can you think He would suffer on the cross and die and yet leave it uncertain whether believers in Him would be saved? Can you think He would wrestle with death and hell and go down to the grave for our sakes and yet allow our eternal life to hang on such a thread as our poor, miserable endeavors? Oh, no. He does not do so. He is a perfect and complete Savior. Those whom He loves, He loves unto the end. Those whom He washes in His blood, He never leaves nor forsakes. He puts His fear into their hearts so that they shall not depart from Him. Where He begins a work, there He also finishes. All whom He plants in His garden enclosed on earth, he transplants sooner or later into paradise. All whom He quickens by His Spirit, He will also bring with Him when He enters His kingdom. There is a garner for every grain of the wheat. All shall appear in Zion before God. From false grace man may fall, and that both finally and foully. I never doubt this. I see proof of it continually. From true grace men never do fall totally. They never did and they never will. If they commit sin like Peter, they shall repent and rise again. If they err from the right way like David, they shall be brought back. It is not any strength or power of their own that keeps them from apostasy. They are kept because the power and love and promises of the Trinity are all engaged on their side. The election of God the Father shall not be fruitless. The intercession of God the Son shall not be ineffectual. The love of God the Spirit shall not be labor in vain. The Lord shall keep the feet of His saints. First Samuel 2 verse 9 They shall all be more than conquerors through Him that loves them. They all shall conquer, and none die eternally. In the footnote, Richard Hooker, in 1585, writes, Blessed forever and ever be that mother's child whose faith hath made him the child of God. The earth may shake, the pillars of the world may tremble under us, the continents of the heaven may be appalled, the sun may lose his light, the moon her beauty, the stars their glory. But concerning the man that trusteth in God, what is there in the world that shall change his heart, overthrow his faith, alter his affection towards God, or the affection of God to him? If you have not yet taken up the cross and become Christ's disciple, you little know what privileges you are missing. Peace with God now and glory hereafter. The everlasting arms to keep you by the way and the garner of safety in the end. All these are freely offered to you without money and without price. You may say that Christians have tribulations. You forget that they have also consolations. You may say they have peculiar sorrows. You forget that they have also peculiar joys. You see but half the Christian life. You see not all. You see the warfare, but not the meat and the wages. You see the tossing and conflict of the outward part of Christianity. You see not the hidden treasures which lie deep within. Like Elisha's servant, you see the enemies of God's children, but you do not, Like Elisha, see the chariots and horses of fire which protect them. Oh, judge not by outward appearances. Be sure that the least drop of the water of life is better than all the rivers of the world. Remember the garner and the crown. Be wise in time. If you feel that you are a weak disciple, Think not that weakness shuts you out from any of the privileges of which I have been speaking. Weak faith is true faith, and weak grace is true grace, and both are the gift of him who never gives in vain. Fear not, neither be discouraged. Doubt not, neither despair. Jesus will never break the bruised reed nor quench the smoking flax. Isaiah 42, verse 3 the babes in the family are as much loved and thought of as the elder brothers and sisters. The tender seedlings in a garden are as diligently looked after as the old trees. The lambs in the flock are as carefully tended by the good shepherd as the old sheep. Oh, rest assured, it is just the same in Christ's family, in Christ's garden, in Christ's flock. All are loved, all are tenderly thought of, all are cared for, and all shall be found in His garner at last. 4. Let me show in the last place the portion which remains for all who are not Christ's people. The text at the beginning of this paper describes this in words which should make our ears tingle. Christ shall burn up the chaff with fire unquenchable. When the Lord Jesus Christ comes to purge His floor, He shall punish all who are not His disciples with a fearful punishment, all who are found impenitent and unbelieving, all who have held the truth in unrighteousness, all who have clung to sin, stuck to the world and set their affections on things below, all who are without Christ all such shall come to an awful end. Christ shall burn up the chaff. Their punishment shall be most severe. There is no pain like that of burning. Put your finger in the candle for a moment if you doubt this and try. Fire is the most destructive and devouring of all elements. Look into the mouth of a blast furnace and think what it would be to be there. Fire is of all elements most opposed to life. Creatures can live in air and earth and water, but nothing can live in fire. Yet fire is the portion to which the Christless and unbelieving will come. Christ will burn up the chaff with fire. Their punishment shall be eternal. Millions of ages shall pass away, and the fire into which the chaff is cast shall still burn on. That fire shall never burn low and become dim. The fuel of that fire shall never waste away and be consumed. It is unquenchable fire. Alas, these are sad and painful things to speak of. I have no pleasure in dwelling on them. I could rather say with the Apostle Paul as I write, I have great heaviness and continual sorrow. Romans 9, too. But they are things written for our learning, and it is good to consider them. They are a part of that scripture which is all profitable, and they ought to be heard. Painful as the subject of hell is, it is one about which I dare not, cannot, must not be silent. Who would desire to speak of hell far if God had not spoken of it? When God has spoken of it so plainly, who can safely hold his peace? I dare not shut my eyes to the fact that a deep-rooted infidelity lurks in men's minds on the subject of hell. I see it oozing out in the utter apathy of some. They eat and drink and sleep as if there was no wrath to come. I see it creeping forth in the coldness of others about their neighbor's souls. They show little anxiety to pluck brands from the fire. I desire to denounce such infidelity with all my might. Believing that there are terrors of the Lord as well as the recompense of reward, I call on all who profess to believe the Bible, to be on their guard. Hey. I know that some do not believe there is any hell at all. They think it impossible there can be such a place. They call it inconsistent with the mercy of God. They say it is too awful an idea to be really true. The devil, of course, rejoices in the views of such people. They help his kingdom mightily. They are preaching up his own favorite doctrine. He shall not surely die. Genesis 3, verse 4. B. I know furthermore that some do not believe that hell is eternal. They tell us it is incredible that a compassionate God will punish men forever. He will surely open the prison doors at last. This also is a mighty help to the devil's cause. Take your ease, he whispers to sinners. If you do make a mistake, never mind, it is not forever. A wicked woman was overheard in the streets of London saying to a bad companion, Come along, who is afraid? Some parsons say there is no hell. See, I know also that some believe there is a hell, but never allow that anybody is going there. All people with them are good as soon as they die. All were sincere, all meant well, and all, they hope, got to heaven. Alas, what a common delusion is this. I can well understand the feeling of the little girl who asked her mother where all the wicked people were buried. For she found no mention on the gravestones of any except the good. D, and I know very well that some believe there is a hell and never like it to be spoken of. It is a subject that should always be kept back, in their opinion. They see no profit in bringing it forward and are rather shocked when it is mentioned. This also is an immense help to the devil. Hush, hush, says Satan, say nothing about hell. The fowler wishes to hear no noise when he lays his snares. The wolf would like the shepherd to sleep while he prowls round the fold. The devil rejoices when Christians are silent about hell. All these notions are the opinions of man. But what is it to you and me what man thinks in religion? Man will not judge us at the last day. Man's fancies and traditions are not to be our guide in this life. There is but one point to be settled. What says the word of God? Eh? Do you believe the Bible? Then depend upon it. Hell is real and true. It is true as heaven. As true as justification by faith. As true as the fact that Christ died upon the cross as true as the Dead Sea, There is not a fact or doctrine which you may not lawfully doubt if you doubt hell. Disbelieve hell. And you unscrew, unsettle and unpin everything in Scripture. You may as well throw your Bible away at once. From no hell to no God there is but a series of steps B. Do you believe the Bible? Then depend upon it. Hell will have inhabitants. The wicked shall certainly be turned into hell and all the people that forget God. These shall go away into everlasting punishment. Matthew 25:46. The same blessed Savior who now sits on a throne of grace we will one day sit on a throne of judgment and men will see there is such a thing as the wrath of the Lamb. Revelation 6.16 The same lips which now say, Come, come unto me, will one day say, Depart, ye cursed. Alas, how awful the thought of being condemned by Christ Himself, judged by the Savior, sentenced. To misery by the Lamb. See, do you believe the Bible? Then depend upon it hell will be intense and unutterable woe. It is vain to talk of all the expressions about it being only figures of speech. The pit, the prison, the worm, the fire, the thirst, the blackness, the darkness the weeping, the gnashing of teeth, the second death. All these may be figures of speech, if you please. But Bible figures mean something beyond all question. And here they mean something which man's mind can never fully conceive. The miseries of mind and conscience are far worse than those of the body. The whole extent of hell, the present suffering the bitter recollection of the past, the hopeless prospect of the future will never be thoroughly known except by those who go there. D. Do you believe the Bible? Then depend upon it. Hell is eternal. It must be eternal, or words have no meaning at all. For ever and ever, everlasting, unquenchable, never dying, all these are expressions used about hell and expressions that cannot be explained away. It must be eternal or the very foundations of heaven are cast down. If hell has an end, heaven has an end too. They both stand or fall together. It must be eternal or else every doctrine of the gospel is undermined. If a man may escape hell at length without faith in Christ or sanctification of the Spirit, sin is no longer an infinite evil and there was no such great need for Christ making an atonement. And where is their warrant for saying that hell can ever change a heart or make it fit for heaven? It must be eternal or hell would cease to be hell altogether. Give a man hope and he will bear anything. Grant a hope of deliverance, however distant and hell is but a drop of water. Ah, these are solemn things. Well said old Carl, forever is the most solemn saying in the Bible. Alas, well, for that day which will have no tomorrow, that day when men shall seek death and not find it and shall desire to die, but death shall flee from them. Who shall dwell with devouring fire? Who shall dwell with everlasting burnings? Revelation 9.6 Isaiah 33.14 E Do you believe the Bible? Then depend upon it. Hell is a subject that ought not to be kept back. It is striking to observe the many texts about it in Scripture. It is striking to observe that man say so much about it as our Lord Jesus Christ, that gracious and merciful Savior, and the Apostle John whose heart seems full of love. Truly, it may well be doubted whether we ministers speak of it as much as we ought. I cannot forget the words of a dying hearer of Mr. Newton's Sir, you often told me of Christ and salvation. Why did you not often remind me of hell and danger? Let others hold their peace about hell if they will. I dare not do so. I see it plainly in Scripture and I must speak of it. I fear that thousands are on that broad way that leads to it and I would fain arouse to a sense of the peril before them? What would you say of the man who saw his neighbor's house in danger of being burned down and never raised the cry of fire? What ought to be said of us as ministers if we call ourselves watchmen for souls and yet see the fires of hell raging in the distance and never give the alarm? Call it bad taste if, you like, to speak of hell. Call it charity to make things pleasant and speak smoothly and soothe men with a constant lullaby of peace. From such notions of taste and charity may I ever be delivered. My notion of charity is to warn men plainly of danger. My notion of taste in the ministerial office is to declare all the counsel of God. If I never spoke of hell, I should think I had kept back something that was profitable and should look on myself as an accomplice of the devil. I beseech every reader of this paper, in all tender affection, to beware of false views of the subject on which I have been dwelling, beware of new and strange doctrines about hell and the eternity of punishment, Beware of manufacturing a God of your own, a God who is all mercy but not just, a God who is all love but not holy, a God who has a heaven for everybody, but a hell for none. A God who can allow good and bad to be side by side in time, but will make no distinction between good and bad in eternity. Such a God is an idol of your own as really as Jupiter or Moloch, as true an idol as any snake or crocodile in an Egyptian temple, as true an idol as was ever molded out of brass or clay. The hands of your own fancy and sentimentality have made him. He is not the God of the Bible, and besides, the God of the Bible there is no God at all. Your heaven would be no heaven at all. A heaven containing all sorts of characters indiscriminately would be miserable discord indeed. Alas, for the eternity of such a heaven, there would be little difference between it and hell. There is a hell. There is a fire for the chaff. Take heed that you find it out to your cost too late. Beware of being wise above that which is written. Beware of forming fanciful theories of your own and then trying to make the Bible square in with them. Beware of making selections from your Bible to suit your taste, refusing like a spoiled child whatever you think bitter, seizing like a spoiled child whatever you think sweet. What is all this but taking... Jehoiakim's ten knife, Jeremiah thirty six twenty three. What does it amount to but telling God that you, a poor, short-lived worm, know what is good for you better than he? It will not do. It will not do. You must take the Bible as it is. You must read it all and believe it all. You must come to the reading of it in the spirit of a little child. Dare not to say, I believe this verse, for I like it. I reject that, for I do not like it. I receive this, for I can understand it. I refuse that, for I cannot reconcile it with my views. Nay, but O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Romans 9.20 By what right do you talk in this way? Surely it were better to say over every chapter in the word, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. If men would do this, they would never deny hell, the chaff and the fire. And now let me say four things in conclusion, and then I have done. I have shown the two great classes of mankind, the wheat and the chaff. I have shown the separation which will one day take place. I have shown the safety of the Lord's people. I have shown the fearful portion of the Christless and unbelieving. I commend these things to the conscience of every reader of this paper as in the sight of God. One, first of all, settle it down in your mind that the things of which I have been speaking are all real and true. I do believe that many never see the great truths of religion in this life. I firmly believe that many never listen to the things they hear from ministers as realities. They regard it all like Gallio as a matter of names and words and nothing more.
1: This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books.